When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Ian, how are you? What are you doing? We're, we're all wired up here to talk about it. Uh, well, you for need to wire me up for me, Hart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, why do you buy a meat off me? Or why, do you, why, do you, why do you decide to come, here. to come down to me to buy a meat off me? Because it's beautiful meat, very tender, and the shop is beautiful, very clean, everything, and very cooperative the whole staff. Thank you very much, Ina. Well, that's exactly... And it's a pleasure it's a to ple- deal with you. Well, it's a pleasure for us to have you, Ina. Thank There's you no very much, Eugene. There's no doubt about it. I'm very grateful for you saying those nice things. And tomorrow, no doubt, you'll say the same again. I certainly <laughs> will, love. There's a, a cheque in the post, Ina. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ina. God bless. <laughs> it's fantastic, really. You always get a crack in here. <laughs> well, we know it's latest day. Yeah, what should mm-hmm. be... Can you give Chanel? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. Price doesn't matter when you get the service. <laughs> and you'll get the crack. <laughs> the average butcher shop, and I know when I speak for thousands of butchers throughout the country who who who, who are possibly the wives are listening to the programme or some of them they shouldn't be listening to the programme they should be working <laughs> they, 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 I, I know I speak for them that a butcher's shop in actual fact is like theatre it, 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 as you live and breathe it happens that day yeah. he knows his customers yeah. he definitely knows his customers and he knows what you want that's well, I know and I think they're all the same you know their customers no father can go with them. <laughs> <laughs> this is Drogheda when I, when I come. I was born and raised in Drogheda. All my family are in, in, in the town. And actually, the, the name Keirns, K-I-E-R-A-N-S, <coughs> is peculiar to Drogheda itself. And, uh, morning, John. How are you? It's peculiar to Drogheda. And there's a whole big family of us. It's a kind of like a, a mini mafia in town. <laughs> And if you want anything done, you have to get a kid to do it for you. We're sort of, um, we're, we're very numerous, we're good breeders. Uh, this, the shop is located in Drogheda, uh, that is, this is where my family have been. And uh, I'm very much a Drogheda man. Uh, I'm very much in love with my town. I'm very much aware of the fact uh, that, that my town has uh, looked after me and I feel I should put something back into it. And I have an obligation to stand up for my town and stand up uh, and, and, and see that uh, as I move through life that I have an, an involvement in the town and that I should promote the town as much as I can. Uh, as, far, as far as the butcher shop is concerned... Uh, <laughs> <just> <laughs> OK. 
This is a poem I found in, 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 in an old butcher's magazine or periodical, and it goes back to the, is from the experienced butcher in 1816, which goes back a long number of years. And uh, hello, Sir Egan, how are you? We're, we're, we're on radio here now at the moment on RTE, and I want you to stand with me, a no better man, to read this poem here, which indicates exactly how I feel about the trade. Truth is not ashamed of the light. Your customers know that you are at great expense and that you must live by your trade. Next to honesty, cleanliness and civility are the greatest recommendations of a tradesman and none more than butchers. The real nature of their business and the prejudice of the world make these qualities more particularly requisite in them. We have one common interest, we must live by one another. Now that poem, I know may sound, just when you read it out, not very clear, but the second part there, the real nature of their business, the type of business we do, and the prejudice of the world, the prejudices that are out there in the marketplace where people misunderstand the meat trade about our business makes it, because of those prejudices, because of people's lack of understanding or misunderstanding about the killing of animals in order to create meat. That is why we must be in the meat trade more careful that the qualities are more particularly requisite in a butcher than in anybody else because it's our job to do the thing and do it properly and to, to, to present the meat properly and to go about the processing of animals properly. And if we don't, each of us that are out there in the meat trade are doing a disservice to an honourable trade. And that's why that, pro, that, that poem, uh, written in, 19, in 1816, is even more relevant today than it ever was because the prejudices are even more great than they ever were. There you are now. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. You're out in a cold day. <laughs> you brave the elements to come down to buy a piece of meat. I did. You wouldn't blame me. Oh, not at all. The, tem <laughs> the temptation was too much for you. I, I have a list here. Have you listed the Clare Runners? I have. Right. I can see you and uh, That's grand. And uh, what's I going to say to you? I miss my ribs. We have, we, did the ribs come yet, Anthony? Did yes. Yeah, we have loads of ribs, they're just right. in. Right. So you have, we, we, we've, we've everything you want in your list. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Keep them well. Yes, warm. Please. Yeah, it's very cold today, isn't it? Very cold. Not long, that's Have you? Can, can I read a few here? Yeah, I can read any of Four steaks, six chops. Yeah. Two pork fillets. Two sheets of ribs. Started for me when uh, when, when I was uh, when I was 16 years of age, and, and my, my my father got ill, and we had a family business down the town, which is, and I was I was sort of involved in that, and uh, I went in to serve my town. Then after my father died, with my uncle, and uh, tremendous character, my uncle Tommy. He's uh, he was a man I was very very fond of. Uh, we had we, I sold with him for. I think it was 12 years, in my formative years, and I found that uh, he demanded a tremendous sense of humour. I suppose whatever little bit of humour I have myself, maybe I got from him, although I suppose all the kids have a sense of humour they have to have. But uh, those days were very exciting because uh, everything was much different uh, than it is now because uh, we haven't got the same constraints of, 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 of um, profitability then that you have now. The competition is unbelievable in the meat trade. You have to be very sharp on the ball, really know where you're going. You've got to have the article for the customer. You can't delay them too long. You've got to be able to get them in and out of your shop. You've got to give them exactly what they want. They're very aware of the necessity for, 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 for productivity. So therefore, it's not as laid back as it used to be. It was much more laid back in my younger days. At least it appeared to be. But maybe it's just like the summers. The summers obviously to be nice when the young days. Maybe it's just that old age is catching up on me and I'm now beginning to feel the strain. But I would say that uh, things were much different than those days. Much more pedestrian, much more relaxed. 
there was no window in the shop when I went to start my time first, so therefore it was just open and the, the meat was hanging outside. That's not a million years ago. People had a, pe people were, were closer to the soil then, they were closer to nature then. Now we're, we're becoming gradually more and more and more divorced from, from, from and, and, and not seeing the meat as, as, as being a product of the land. We're isolating it and putting it away in cabinets and pre-packing it and putting it in boxes and we're moving it away. It was much closer to, to nature then and uh, all the little sort of meat was, was, was sold in, 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 in greater volume in the sense that bigger lumps were sold. People came in from the country with a pillowcase and they put a lump of meat in the pillowcase and they brought it home and everything was boiled. Everything was boiled. No such thing as putting something on a grill in those days. The parish priest, maybe, or maybe the, the, the parish priest and uh, people like that, they had the fillets, but the average person had a lump of meat to put in a pot and boil it with a load of vegetables and had soup and then meat to eat and they lasted for the week. And they used to come in on horses and carts and tie them to the pole and come in and get their stuff and buy their other groceries, leave them in the corner of the butcher shop, then collect all their other stuff and head off home. Maybe after the man come back after a few bottles in the pub next door. That's the way it was. It was much, 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 much different than it is now. But I know that John McCormick was all the folk. I know that I was reared among all the thing in music, and I persist today. Even my my favourite type of music, music is that kind of music. But I suppose it's what we're born into. What we we, we sort of developed from our, from our parents and that sort of thing in love of it. But they, they, they were the kind of the kind of tunes that they were all the go that time. But they had a low record playing, you wind it up and away we go then and it, you know. Ears and we had him singing uh, the record player underneath, and we let another pig was singing, and the people were all thronging around the shop and all saying the singing pig was fantastic. But to just take that particular story now and, and, and take the implications of having a pig in the window, complete with this hen, could not be done nowadays. People would not accept the fact that you would do that. Do and this is, and this is because people have moved now. They're, it's, it's very strange to relate that they couldn't look at a pig's head and, 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 and correlate that with the meat trade. Yet they can sit back on television at night and watch people being blown up in the north, watch things, things happening in the north uh, and, and all over the world. And possibly, sometimes may not be, possibly as concerned. I'm not saying that the animal should be put down in a, in a different line. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. But I find it most peculiar that they constantly run the meat trade over this business of, oh, you couldn't have a pig's head and I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't eat an ox tongue and I couldn't, uh, you know, it, it looks like... A, the, Fre the French uh, like certain parts of the animal that we abhor and say, oh, you couldn't eat that. Uh, the French like, 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 like sheep's brains. It's a delicacy in France. Yes, the French 
are just the same as us, they're human beings, but their eating habits are slightly different. And we seem to have got ourselves up a cul-de-sac in relation to our own eating, that we can't accept that all of the animal, in its totality, various parts of it, are unacceptable to us, just because they're unacceptable to us. But they're quite acceptable to some other human being in some other part of the world. I personally couldn't eat a snail. But I don't say, oh, I couldn't eat a snail and make a big issue of it. Because I don't like snails. Okay? I also don't like licorice sweets. That's just another thing I don't like. Our parsnips. Mona, you're late. No, you're not again. Each time an animal, each, all the meat that he sells, an animal has to give up his life. And all of that, that's, that's, uh, he can continue to keep his family and provide his service and everything else for his customer. So he has to be fully aware of what is the implications of what he's doing. So each creature has to be treated with gentleness and care and love. I know, that's, I know that sounds like a contradiction, but if you were to just do the job you're supposed to do and do it well, and do it with no malice and expedite the thing as quickly as possible and do it according to the regulations that are laid down very strictly by the Department of Agriculture. When that is done, that is the animal fulfilling its destiny. But when you get uh, somebody who is doing it badly, that's the person that we in our organisation, that of the Irish Master Butchers Federation and myself personally, will land on that person like a ton of bricks and they needn't come to us and say to us we're in trouble with the department. If they're not doing the thing right, if they're not doing it right, and that's it. No, there's no room in the world for these kind of people. This, this is a job that, that, that we are aware of has to be done. We're doing it, we're doing it well, and that's the only way to do it. If you enjoyed it, you would be wrong. And if you didn't enjoy it, I'd say you, you, know, you, 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 you couldn't do it. But when the media made capital on it to get mileage just to create space and to create something interesting for a programme before they move on to something else. 
That is when they're wrong, when they use it as a football in their argument, or allow the vegetarian people, some of them, who are excessively to the, to, to, into vegetarianism and are anti-meat, possibly. They use it then. That's when it's been used in political football. But I'm not saying to you, stop doing what you're doing. If you're asking the question about that, always ask it. It's your right, it's your privilege to stand guard and watch out for the animal. Because everybody is not like the people I know in the trade. There are some very naughty people. They're always there. But you don't even get them in the meat trade. You can get cruel people. Adam Fitlow. He was a painter. He was also a vegetarian, incidentally. Go ahead. He was a naughty boy, wasn't he? <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Well, this is Mary here. This is Patricia. These things are all word up. I don't want to have to say to you, Lance, here. They want you to sort of talk among ourselves and sort of talk among ourselves about your night last night, Jimmy, and how you feel about it. And your night last night, how you feel about it. You're gone now. Well, there was a pecking order in the shop, really. When, uh, when, when, I, when I went out to the shop first, first of all, you went to the yard, which is, I'm sure you'll deal with later on, and then we went in and we made, you went into the sausage house and you served us when I was making sausage. Different butchering now than, uh, than it was then because you learnt the complete entire trade, the complete gambit of the thing. And uh, when I came out, this my first customer, I'll never forget. My uncle Tommy, now we go to, he came in and he said to me, OK, you're out in the shop today. This is a tremendous uh, challenge. Mm. So he had semi-retired from the business and he gave me his Putin steel and I'm not very tall and uh, when I put it on, it was very tip, virtually tipping the ground, I was like, why is I going out to face the public? <laughs> and I arrived out and I, afterwards I found after a couple of days to look for a sausage customer to see. If you get a sausage customer, you're in business. You'd ask for a half pound of sausage and you, just, you could serve with a half pound of sausage. It didn't require poor level education for that. But my first customer, who will remain nameless, said to me, go back to your pram, sonny. <laughs> I'll never forget. I was decimated. I was decimated. I retreated then to the, to the Inner Sanctorums and remained in there for three days till I composed myself. I think that the greatest load of... Uh, what do you call it, rubbish? I suppose you could call it rubbish. With two large bees stuck in the middle. A load of rubbish. I think the established foods, which are milk, cheese, and beef, lamb and pork, they're established foods. They built this nation on those foods. They put the back on the people. We went over and we, have, we filled America. We filled Australia. We filled New Zealand. We filled England. With good, strong, healthy, intelligent people. Off the back of good, simple food. And now, there are people who have the audacity to start talking of this rubbish about other foods and better. Where could you get a simpler, more straightforward meal than a, a few potatoes, fresh vegetables from the farm, and a piece of meat? Cook perfectly for your children. It's simple, it's straightforward, and it's nutritious. Now, you've got these people coming on and say, oh, well, that's, uh, you know, it's, that's not good. What about the people that are now also beautiful and slim, slipping into Christian Dior dresses? Not, all, not, not overweight by a fraction, possibly even to look better than actually underweight. And here you've got this beautifully torn-out lady, nice and slim. But what happens if she gets a little dose of pills or pneumonia or something? Because she only fall back on. How can she lose a few pound weight if she gets sick? She'll be in a shroud. You have to have a little bit of 
beef on you. You've got to have a little bit of a touch of warmth about yourself. You can't go round shriveled up with your nose and you're stuck on your hanky all the time, blowing into it. I've got a cold again. Why haven't you got a cold again? For Christ's sake, you're full of all sorts of stuff. Cashew nuts and bananas and beans and what have you. That's not food. It's okay if you couldn't afford it. Of course you can afford it. And if you, if you take a pound of meat, a pound of stewing beef at, at, at um, £2 per pound, bonus. You get a pound of carrots at 20 pence, is 2.20. A pound of onions at 20 pence, is 2.40. And seven pounds of spuds at 80 pence, that's 3.20. Add those all together, and you got 11 pounds of fresh food for £3.20. pence. I mean, it's too dear, food's too dear. They're eating the wrong foods. That's why it's too dear. The reality of how good, of, uh, a good value meat is, is to get in there and cast it out. You don't have to eat fillets of steak, is it, to eat meat. You can buy a pound of stewing meat and stew it down properly and give it its time. Microwaving and all these other things, they're all there. They're all very advantageous. But nothing can beat a good, wholesome pot of stew on a cold morning like this, sitting on the stove when the kids come in, you sell them off with a glow around them. You won't get that in a packet. Because they only come this way once. And the food you put into your, in, into your body is important. And if you're going to compete in life, you've got to be able to compete. And uh, the meat do not inherit the earth. Uh, that is just a misnomer. Put it for somebody to keep the meat happy. You know, they've got to be up. You've got to be able to compete. You've got to be able to compete. The young people have to compete with each other. They've got peer pressures. They've got to compete in the football field. They've got to compete, compete in the schoolyard. And they need that bit of bump and up and go. They need energy. And if you want to come along and end your life prematurely at, at 35 or 40 years of age by becoming semi-anorexic to not giving yourself nourishment, by all means, you do that. But don't pass it on to those you love. That's a bit of a that's a bit of a decision that shouldn't be made by you, you know. Jimmy's boning your breast and arm very badly, or very well rather. <laughs> this is Jimmy. Jimmy's from Cullen. Uh, they call it Cowl Cullen because the wind whistles up the main street all the time. Jimmy's with me uh, five years, uh, six years. Jimmy, sorry with that. I didn't pay for the first one. <laughs> and Jimmy's Jim, Jimmy's uh, a, a very uh, very much into the, the game of Gaelic. He plays it exceptionally well. And uh, he's nearly as good. He's nearly as good a footballer as he is a butcher. <laughs> so he plays in the first team for Mother Rangers. Would you like to say a few words, Jimmy? Or do you want to say a few words? Not as much as a word. He's shaking his head very viciously and saying no. When the piece of meat arrives home, we're aware of the fact that the customer opens the bank and they have a piece of meat on their table. If they've got to put time and energy into getting that ready, it's an inhibiting factor against the sale of meat because that customer has to work at getting that meal ready. So that if we can cut it up very small, which she would have to do anyway, so we do it for her because we've got the expertise, and then if we turn around then and uh, have the carriage dice as well... She doesn't have to scrape these carrots and dice when we have them done. Now, that's another convenience. And we're just throwing the neck off that now. That's, that, that neck will go for mince. We'll cut it up tomorrow, that goes for mince. Because there's a nice covering on it. It's, nice, it's, it's a nice covering of a little bit of fat. Now, fat is going down as a dirty wool, living in the fat of the land, you might you have, There has to be a little bit of covering on the beef. Just a little bit of covering, a little bit of marbling in it there, to have it, that it will cook very nice and taste nice. Then after that, then, there's a lovely, light, a nice light colour. That's huge. That's a young animal. Nice blue on it. 
Most of the animal was rested before it was processed. So it's fasted overnight on the, on the Sunday before it goes into the yard on Monday. And when it's, when it's been processed, there's no rush or fuss. Each animal is done nice and slowly and uh, in the sense of that there's no fuss and no high voice and no shouting. So there's no adrenaline and the animal is relaxed. Right? And that manifests every day. off out to Terminfeck and uh, come to head to a farmer who supplies me with cattle for the winter. Uh, he's what I would call a winter feeder and he feeds his cattle in the shed over the winter where the cattle are brought in from, in, from outside in the field. Uh, to find a farmer who will do this is a great advantage to a butcher because the, the, the farmer knows exactly the type of cattle I want and in the winter, for the complete entire winter, I am able to rely on this particular farmer to supply me with exactly what I want. So that's where we're going now to see this farmer. Anything coming there, my little Linda? Nope. Thank you very much. Beautiful gear, Ken. This is one of the biggest problems that people have in business. There's a story told about uh, the three great lies of business. First one being is, I'm walking late at the office again, pet. And that's, uh, I won't be home with, uh, again, yet, yet again, I'm late. Second one being, there's a check in the post. I told you that, didn't I? Yes, there's a check in the post. And the third great one is, when your man arrives with the horn and glasses and puts his briefcase down in the middle of the shop and says, good afternoon, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. That's the third great big lie in business. I, I, I was taught certain things. I was taught uh, about always be straight and honest. Never be dishonest with your, with your public. Because if you're, if you're honest with them, they'll be honest with you. Be straight in your dealings and straightforward. I, I could be accused, I suppose, sometimes of being too frank and too straightforward. And, but that's the way it is. That's the way I am. and That's the way I'm going to be. Nobody ever had to worry where they stood with me. <laughs> and... Uh, people uh, can tell me what they think of me also. Years and years behind the counter makes you semi-bulletproof so you thought I don't have a bulletproof vest, just a thick skin and you listen to it all. But you know you know, even in bad days when things are not going so good and you, you hear things that you shouldn't hear or you don't want to hear. I always remember that you got to listen to Tunnel. You're in the middle of a 10 acre field and a big clap of Tunnel comes and all you can do about it. So just listen to that giant. Take the thing away, Julie. Will you say it's correct? Are we finished? <laughs> that must be nearly it now. T talking about people who are who are anti-meat and people who are uh, excessively animal rights. Now, I don't think at this stage that I should have to indicate how I stand in relation to animals. I've got two cats, three dogs, and a budgie, and that's my contribution to Animal Farm. I am a lover of animals. Always have been. I never fired a shot in anger in my life, and certainly won't, don't it ever intend to. But I would say this, that 
there's a, there's a joke that encapsulates what I feel about uh, about people who choose to use animal rights to promote an ideology that they've just taken upon themselves. And the, the, one day they were out hunting for foxes and uh, the hunt was flying along, doing very well and giving great chase to this fox. And the animal rights people discovered the fox and captured the fox themselves and put the fox into the back of the car and said, oh, Mr. Fox, come home with us, we look after you. So they brought the fox home and they dried him off and cleaned him off and put him lying in front of the fire. And the fox lay down and said, thank you very, very much. You know, you really saved my life and I'm very, very grateful to you. Otherwise, I don't think they were going to catch me, but, I, you know, you never know. Sometimes you're not just as fleet of foot as you'd like to be. So they said, oh, it's our pleasure. We're animal rights people. We're in favour of, 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 of saving the fox and all that sort of thing. So the fox dozed off to sleep and the next morning he wakens up and the people come down and say, oh, there you are, Mr. Fox, you rest well. I rested very well and very, very... I'm really feeling very fit now and frisky and uh, fit for my breakfast. And what would you like? He must have said, I'd like a little bunny rabbit. So they threw him out the back door and locked the door. Now that, to me, is an indication of double standards. Here you have people who were prepared to accept that the fox had been chased, which I wouldn't really agree with, but there you are. And then you have a situation where they take the fox in and they put him in the lookout for him. And then the very moment of the fox isn't exactly what they would like the fox to be. Even though it's totally natural for the fox to chase the rabbit, they've no time for the fox anymore. That's been selective. You should not be selective. You should have your principles right across the whole area and not be selective and say, I think that we should kill rabbits, but we shouldn't kill foxes. And you should always kill a mouse or a rat because he doesn't look nice. But you can't kill something that looks nice, but if something doesn't look nice, you can kill it. That's being selective. So anybody who can set a mouse trap and not worry about it, right? But can wouldn't kill a rabbit. They're being selective. That's not right. Think about it. I know I'm right. That's been selective. Isn't it? No cow manure on the ground at all because it's a very frosty day. And uh, we're passing by sheds that are full of lambs, all back chewing and sitting back very peacefully. And we're going around now to, to a very, very large shed where the cattle are fed for the winter. And I'm not going to be an expert both in the shop and on the farm because I'm not. I know the type of cattle I want. But this man here with me, Paddy Morphy, he's the man who does the job himself. And uh, I take in uh, cattle about uh, 350 kilos and uh, I feed them on uh, approximately two to three months. I feed them exactly as I think. I, I buy them as I think that Eugene would like them. Very difficult man to satisfy. He's, um, he wants a particular type of animal. He's very keen to get about uh, an animal into his shop about 500 kilo, 500 pounds dead. An animal that uh, is nicely covered, not too fat, just an animal, as he says himself, that is nice to look at and yet very, 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 very uh, tasty when you're going to eat it. It's grand, Paddy. Yeah. 
this is the, this is the, this is the, 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 where, where we get into conflict sometimes with other people in the meat trade who seem to have a leaning towards lean. Now, if it's very, very lean, it is, it's kind of boring to eat and it's not just quite as enjoyable. And if it's not as enjoyable, the people won't come back and eat it again. So you're in the business of trying to get the, the, the consumer to come back again and again and again to buy the product. And this is why the little bit of film of fat on the outer perimeter of the meat. Now, that fat that's on that is, would be referred to in the trade, as I said, as covering. And that covering is on the outer part of it. Now, when you're serving that meal to the person and they go to eat it, that's visible fat. The person has the option not to eat that little rim of fat if they don't want to. And by not eating that rim of fat, they are cutting down on that fat intake. But it's the invisible fats of the non-natural foods, which is totally different. And this is why, if that cow would stop interrupting me, this is why there is so much silly talk going on about foods. The natural food is the food here. You hear it here. You can hear the cows in the background, the cattle in the background, the apples in the background. You can hear them here. Where could you get closer to a health food than to take an animal in from the farm, process it and put it into a shop, and sell it to the consumer? How close can you get to nature? Can you get any closer to nature than that? You can only get closer if you went out in the field and lay down on a summer's day and felt the soil under your back. That's the only day you'll feel as close by eating the vegetables that come out of the farming community, by eating the lamb and the beef and the pork that's once produced. Now, that is not in a box. It's not sitting on a shelf. It's not eat by 1979 or 1986 or whatever year you want to bet. This has a, has, a, has a shelf life. It's only a shelf life of so many days after it's cut because the meat's hanging. Why will it not keep any longer? The reason why it won't keep any longer than three or four days in your fridge is because it's fresh. That's why. Because it's a health food. It's not sitting in a plastic bag on a shop that says, I'm a health food shop, because somebody gets up on, on, on the front of it and says, health food shop? Is this the argument you're going to use? Is this what you're saying a health food is? I'm telling you the health food is what I'm standing here. A derivative of a farm right smack in the middle of County Louth. The same as that's right smack in the middle of a farm in Tipperary or South Cork or in Donegal or in, in Longford. It's happening all the time. It's happening in your village. That butcher is down the road doing the same as I'm doing, except he's not telling you about it. I'm here today to tell you about it. That's why I say thank you for giving me the opportunity because I want to put to rest a lot of... I was nearly going to say some kind of... You know, the kind of thing that comes out of a bull, but I certainly won't say it because I'm, uh, good rearing doesn't allow me to say that. But that's what it is. It's down to that. And even you who would be classified as a semi-towny would have to stand here and say to me, don't they look fantastic with their curly heads and their broad faces and kind eyes? Of course, I don't feel sorry for them. I, don't feel, I, I, I feel that the job has to be done and I'm the man to do it. Uh, the, the, here, here you've got a food to be produced. There's a whole chain. Uh, what are we going to do if we, don't, if we don't eat them? Do we leave them in the fields until their toes turn upwards and they can't walk? Do we, do we leave them there until more of them come along? Do we say we're going to keep this generation of cattle there for the next 20 years until they die off naturally? And we're not going to have any more born? You know, this is what I'm saying. Eugene, have you a preference for any of those for next week? Would you? Is there anyone you'd particularly like to think, think that's coming to the end or that was just about right for killing next week? There's a black white head at the back there, uh, kind of stubby little boy. 
You see, what, what, one they're using Kodak Jazz, that one, suggests that. Yeah, one that, that one is another good one. What we're looking for is a good, a good big roundness at the back of the animal, at the back of the animal where the money is. The front of the animal is the cheaper cuts, the back of the animal are the dealer cuts. I say cheaper cuts now in the sense of that they're not as pricey. There's nothing wrong with them now as cuts. They, 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 they eat very well in stews and that sort of thing. But at the back of the animal is where the money is. farmer doesn't rear cattle, sheep and pigs. He rears beef to be eaten on the, on, on the table, lamb to be eaten and pork to be eaten. And the farmer is part of this whole scenario. He's in there, built into that chain. He's the first link in the chain. And the, the most important link is the last link. That's the consumer. The farmer too long was standing on the road looking into the field. The farmer has now climbed over the gate and stood in the field and looked out on the road. Because that's what is all happening now. Between 1992 and the European, the European situation and the, 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 the possible importation of lambs from England and all the other vagaries and things, are going to, things that can happen because there are too many alternatives to the consumer now and we've got to keep meat and all our Irish foods that are grown in this country that are natural foods, that are derivatives of the soil of Ireland we've got to get all those products on the high, highest possible plane and on the tables of the Irish housewife and displace this 400 million of imported nonsense that's coming in that is not foods at all and our children will not thank us if we're going to give them a diet of imported boxed foods off shelves in, 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 in various places. I hope you run out of tape, Julian, have you? <laughs> I'm running out of steam. <laughs> well, you tell me I'm a natural, I'll have your sacred life. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Cold night, isn't it? But I think I'll forego the corned beef that I had yesterday. I was going to have cold, and I think I might have a few lamb cutlets grilled on the naturally on, on, on the grill with one grilled tomato, two of slices of my wife's brown bread, and a nice large mug of strong coffee. And that'll be me until the morning. That'll keep me going. <laughs> Girls, what's your name? Michelle. Michelle. What's a lovely name? I hate being called Mary. It's so often, isn't it? Hmm? 